I think the biggest advice that I would say to my younger self and also other entry-level graphic designers is like, just trust your gut feeling, like just do what you want to do, offer the services that you don't, that you want to do. You don't have to copy what other designers are doing. Like you can do what you want to do. You can pave your own way and just keep in mind that everybody else's success is going to be totally different than what your success is. Welcome to the Coffee with Courtney podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Marie, web designer and CEO of Courtney Marie & Co. After building a multiple six-figure design agency, I wanted to create a podcast to share everything I've learned and am still learning to help you grow your business. Each week, you'll hear from me and other experts, share tips on branding, marketing, business, and so much more. So if you're ready to learn how to run a successful business and stand out online, grab your cup of coffee and let's dive in. Welcome back to today's episode. So this one I'm super excited to talk about. Um, As a designer, I wanted to bring on another designer, uh, a friend in the space, and I guess not co-worker, but (laughs) another (laughs) designer that I met online. Um, So today today we're going to be talking about starting over as a designer. So I want to welcome Michelle. Yeah, thanks for having me. I I love that term coworker because I feel like we're all just kind of coworkers in this space. What is it? Like acquaintance? Is that? Yeah, like I don't know, business acquaintances I that like we've better. never <laughs> that we've never met in person, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah, we've never met, but it always, it feels like we've met. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, why don't you introduce yourself um, so people know who you are, what you do, and all that good stuff. Yeah. So thanks for having me. My name is Michelle. I'm the owner of Michelle Marie Studio. I'm a brand and website designer specializing in show it websites. Um, I love doing logo designs the most, I will have to admit. But yeah, I've worked with a ton of different types of clients, probably way different types of clients than Courtney has worked with, which is awesome. There's room for so many designers in this space. But yeah, I love what I do. I'm going on a three, four years now, I don't, I can never keep track because I kind of started as a side hustle and then like worked into full time. So I guess side hustles probably been going on for almost five years. Yeah. I never know if I should count the dabble years or like the Luca yeah. years. <laughs> like those random, like one-off logos that I started making when I was still working full time, but yeah. only, only charging, you know, like $200. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah. We're definitely going to talk about that. <laughs> Right. Interesting. Um, Well, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, Like I said, I really wanted to just dive in and talk about like starting over as a designer, the lessons that we've learned. Um, You know, we've learned a lot, (laughs) good and bad, um, but we're going to be sharing it all on today's episode. So before we get into that, I always like to do rapid fire. So let's dive in. Um, What book has had the biggest impact on your life? So I would like to preface this that I don't read a ton of <laughs> um, I don't read a ton of like motivational business type of books, but um, one of my favorites has been Jordan Lee Dooley's Own Your Everyday. Ooh, that sounds good. Sounds a good yeah, one. Yeah, I don't know if you follow her, but I like her. She's pretty inspirational. I've heard of her. I I might follow her. I'll have to check. <laughs> 
what's the biggest lesson that you've learned in business? Actually, this is one of my other questions for <laughs> the episode. <laughs> um, I think one of the biggest lessons that I've learned has been that everybody that you see, your competitors, your clients, whatever, everyone has different timelines. Mm. I love that. And there's so much pressure in the online space to have it all figured out super fast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about that later in depth. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, favorite quote or mantra? Okay, I'm not super into quotes either, but um, <laughs> but I do have a quote that um, is written in the beginning of my planner that I have, and it's, look how far you've come. So I like to remind myself that even though I'm not maybe where I want to be yet, look at like what I have accomplished so far. Love that. What does success mean to you? Um, success for me means being happy with what I'm producing for my clients and then also being happy with who I'm working with. So not necessarily like a monetary goal, but just making sure that I'm enjoying what I'm doing. What piece of advice would you tell your younger self? Um, the hard one, but, uh, I'll go to something <laughs> easy here. What's meant to be will be. I, would just tell myself, you know, not to stress out, like everything's going to work out in the end. I was just focusing on that this week recently, like whatever's meant for you will be and whatever happens, it's okay. Like I was talking to someone on a different episode and she adds, it's okay. At the end of like everything she says, I'm like, oh, that's, that's a cool way to put it. Yeah. I don't like stressing out about the future and like, I don't know. I just, I feel like everything's going to work out in the end. I have that, I have that positive thought in my mind. I try to have that positive thought in my mind. So yeah. Well, and if you have a go-getter attitude, like you'll figure it out. Yeah. And like most people think they're going to end up in like a totally different place than they do end up and that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. And it's okay. Um, (laughs) Cool. So let's dive into the episode. I know we took a few of those questions that we're going to come back to, but I'd like to start off with one of the harder ones. What has been, I know, what has been some of the most challenging moments in your design career and how you, how have you gotten over them or through them? Okay. So I would say some, something that becomes challenging for me is I think when Um, well, first of all, we don't have bosses, right? So Mm. we have to really motivate ourselves to work every day. And even though you want your clients to be happy, it still can become a struggle for me to like get myself up and moving for the day and motivated to work, especially being a creative and having to be creative every single day is really, really hard versus working for somebody else. And, um, you know, having to do some of those like minute tasks that you don't want to do, like spreadsheet inputs and stuff <laughs> like that. And like, it sucks, but it's, it's like mindless work and you just get it done because, you know, you have to or you'll get fired. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like it's really hard for me to sometimes want to show up, even though most of my clients that I work with are super enjoyable and I love working with them. But something that I, think that I miss a lot is like having a boss, but that's but interesting. I love, 
I love being my own boss, but sometimes I just need somebody to like tell me what to do. And so that I can just like not have to think about it so much. Yeah. I I overthink a lot when it comes to like marketing my business and next steps and stuff. I'm not that good at like business, like future planning in my business, I guess. So I don't know the whole like business ownership as a whole is really challenging for me. But yeah. I but I just want to keep designing. So I don't know. Yeah. How do you how have you kind of gotten past that so far? Or like on the days that because as a creative, it is a lot of <laughs> it's a lot of work. Like not only do you have to create designs for your clients, oh shoot, I have to like actually create designs for my marketing and mm-hmm. like I'm tapped out. Um, oh yeah. I go through that a lot, like cycles. I'm like, I do not want to create content for the life of me. Um, yeah. so on those days, like how do you push through that? Um, well, I do kind of have a conversation with some of my clients, um, in the beginning, like just so you know, sometimes the creative process is, it's like an ebb and flow type of thing. So sometimes I wake up and I'm not feeling creative and, Um, I just kind of like to let my clients know that my timelines are not super strict. Like Mm. I will do my best to meet the timeline that I gave you. Um, and over time I've learned to increase the timelines that I give to my client, knowing that I'll probably finish sooner than what I told them, but you know, I'll tell them four weeks and in my mind, I'm trying to finish it in three weeks, knowing Mm. that I'm, I need like a week of fluff in there for things that like might happen, you know, like I wake up and I just do not want to work that day because that happens honestly. And I mean, one of the reasons that I'm in this business is so I can wake up and decide not to work that day if I don't want to. So, um, I mean, it's, it's been challenging for sure, but I'm, making sure that I'm working with clients who understand that and they're in creative businesses themselves. So they get it, you know, Mm -hmm. they're like, Hey, I know, um, I know you have a lot of other things going on. Like, it's okay if you need to wait, um, to give me back these edits, you know, I've been able to be like blessed to work with clients like that who are I don't know, a little bit more lenient. This makes yeah. me sound like a bad business no, owner. No, no. Hey, but you learn what works for you, which I'd actually like to dive in more because I have heard from a lot of designers like, well, how do you know how much time something takes or where do I start? That sort of thing. And I think you and me both have gotten to a point where, hey, we know how long a website takes us. We know how long a logo takes us. We factor in that time and give ourselves some leeway for that creativity, um, which I love that you do. So how do you, how did you get to that point? Um, okay. So I'll, <laughs> I'll tell a bad story about myself. <laughs> oh, God. We're, we're sharing all the <laughs> secrets. Yeah. Okay. So earlier this year, I was going through a lot um, personally, and I was working with a client who had pretty strict timelines themselves. Mm -hmm. And um, they ended up firing me because I did not meet their timeline. Um, There was was some other reasons as well, but it was kind of like a wake-up call to me that I need to really like give my clients more time than Mm -hmm. I know it's going to take me. Um, because things come up all the time. So like 
you know, now I tell them four weeks when I think it's going to say three weeks, but I used to just say three weeks because I thought it would take three weeks and then it would end up being four weeks. And then I would have somebody who was unhappy. And when I got fired back in, I want to say it was February of this year, I was like, oh shit, I really need to get, get, get myself together and like fix this issue moving forward. So that's how I kind of um, started increasing my timelines. And even now I, I offer design intensives, which are logo in a day. And, um, I don't like, I don't pressure myself to give them everything in that one day. So we get everything done in that day, but I don't give them the actual logo design files until the next day. And they don't get Mm -hmm. their brand standards manual until like three days later, because realistically I know after, after I'm done designing the logo that day, like I'm going to be too drained to export all of the files and create the brand standards manual for them. So I try to be a lot more upfront now with what I'm going to be able to realistically get done. Um, And like this week, for instance, I was sick on Monday and Tuesday and I had Mm -hmm. some work to do, but I like luckily had some like buffer time in to those timelines. So it was okay. And it worked out. Yeah. Would, what would you say like as advice for a designer kind of starting out, like how to structure their schedule to allow for those days? Um, okay. So I started uh, recording myself designing, like started recording how much time it took me to design different projects. So if you have, uh, I have Dubsado, so I have a time recorder capability in there, Mm -hmm. but I'm sure you can find like a free one online somewhere, but just start recording yourself um, and seeing how long it takes you to design things. And you'll, you'll probably be able to like easily find an average, like on average, it takes me probably one hour to design a business card. Um, And obviously like different projects are going to, you know, maybe run under that or over that, but I now know what those averages are. And then you could add on like tack on an additional hour. So estimate, you Mm -hmm. know, two hours to the client for the business card or um, start, you know, keeping track of how long it's taking you to design logos for clients and just add on tack on additional time onto that. That's kind of what I've been doing. Yeah. Don't forget to add additional time to factor in like just you know, that's one thing I used to do as a designer when I first started out. I said, oh, it'll take 20 hours, but I didn't factor in, well, what if they have more feedback, then it'll take longer, communication time, that sort of thing. So you just want to make sure that you factor in the what ifs scenarios so you're still delivering on time. Um, you know, one of our things, I hate to overpromise and underdeliver. Like that's my worst fear Mm -hmm. um, as a designer because it just doesn't look good as a brand. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when I first started, what did I do? I charged hourly, which was super low. (laughs) Um, And then I eventually got into like, I knew how much time it took me per project. And then I eventually got into charging project basis which allows you the flexibility, wouldn't you say, to charge a certain amount because if you get done faster, you still get rewarded. Mm -hmm. If you get done on time, you still get rewarded. As a designer, as you grow and gain more skills and refine your skills, 
you may actually get things done faster. I know I get a lot of things done faster than when I first started. Am I going to charge less for that? No, absolutely not. I'm actually going to charge more because of the value and you Mm -hmm. get it done faster. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. And I actually still record every project that I work on to this day to see how much quicker I am working um, so that I can... So that I can continue to increase the prices as well. Because I mean, the more experience you gain, the quicker you're going to work and the better you're going to become. So it, mm-hmm. I mean, it's okay to like keep increasing the prices, even though your time's going down. Yeah. As you should. Um, when do you, I'm curious, when do you feel that maybe you have hit a point where you shouldn't increase your prices? Um. <laughs> I I don't know if that's gonna arrive, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I feel that'll like be twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there honestly, there are some designers in this space that charge like ten to twenty thousand mm-hmm. for a website. I mean, I'm only at in like three to four thousand right now. Yeah, but it's gonna take me a while probably to get up to that level that I feel comfortable. So I feel like I'm still gonna be raising my rates for the next few years cool. over time. What helps you or what are certain factors that determine you raising your prices other than shortening the time? Um, I mean, there are a lot of things that go into this. I think every business is totally different, but I I like to raise my rates, raise my rates when I've had like a good handful of clients at the current rate. And within a period of time. So Mm -hmm. let's say you have like 10 clients who purchase from you at your current rate within three months. I feel Mm -hmm. like that that's a safe amount of time to then raise them again. If you raise them and you aren't getting like any bites on that raise, then maybe you raise them too high, like maybe take them down a little bit. Um, But I, I feel safe. I feel confident raising them if I've had a lot of clients coming to me and they are happy with the price that I'm charging them. And I also send feedback surveys at the end of the project and I ask them like straight up was this did this price meet match the value? Yeah. And everybody has said yes and I felt confident every time that I've been able to raise my prices. Yeah, that's actually a great question. I might have to take that one. <laughs> yeah, I I love sending feedback surveys. Actually, it actually like really keeps me motivated to um, over deliver as well because I know that they're going to be filling out this feedback. Yeah, survey. you're like At I'm watching. End, yeah, I'm like okay. They need to give me five out of five. Like I will be doing the most possible for this client. Yeah. Um, no, but uh, I ask them if the price matches the value. Is there anything that I could improve on like was the communication good was the timeline good mm-hmm. all all these like questions so that I'm always trying to improve because if I'm not improving my processes and my business and my design skills then I'm not going to be able to raise my rates and I don't want to you know forever be stuck at the same rate yeah i love that you said that you like improving because that's huge like in any business cuz we have that question in our form too i think it's worded like is there anything that you would change differently about the process or anything? I have to remember how it's worded. Um, but it is good feedback. Like testimonials are great, but also like feedback is great too because we have gotten 
some of them like, oh, maybe I would do this differently. And we've actually taken it into consideration. It's either improved our process or we just like look at it and we're like, okay, you know, the way we look at feedback is if we've gotten more than three to five of the same feedback, we know that we need to implement that. But if Mm -hmm. it's just like a one-off, we take it into consideration and decide, is this best for this person or is it best for the client? Is it best for us? That sort of thing. I think feedback is huge. Yeah, definitely. If you want to continue to grow your business, you need to implement feedback surveys for sure. I've also found like just really random things in my feedback surveys. Like somebody pointed out to me that um, the project management system that I was using um, called ClickUp, if you've heard of it, is like, yes. (laughs) Uh, I had a client tell me that they just could not figure out the mobile version. Like the mobile version was really confusing to them. So um, I was like, oh, this is great feedback. So now on, I tell clients when, I'm working with them. Like if you can use the desktop version of ClickUp because I've heard that the mobile version is quite tricky to use. And I personally don't even use the mobile version because I don't like to get notifications on my phone about work stuff. But um, so I, I tell people now to use the desktop version, but that's like great feedback. So you never know what sort of feedback you can get from clients that will help you in the long run. Yeah. I'm trying to think some of the things that we've gotten um, do you do calls on yours? Like, like, dur- like during the project? Yeah. Um, so I do do them for design intensive days. I don't really do them for like regular branding projects. Yeah. Uh, but I will, de- depending on the client. <laughs> I used to do call like so many calls and I'm like, wait a minute, this is not necessary. Even a kickoff call sometimes, like if I have a really good feel for the design, sometimes a kickoff call isn't even, I'm like good to go. Like I got Mm -hmm. all the material, I'm on track with it. Like I know what to do. Um, I've also seen some designers not do any sales calls. Do you do sales calls? Um, I do if they want them, they have the option on my website to book a sales call with me. Um, but sometimes people just reach out to me via Instagram DM and they're like, Hey, I know I want to work with you. I've been following you for a year Mm -hmm. and I know that we're going to be a good fit. Let's do this. I'm like, okay, cool. And then, (laughs) I mean, obviously I ask them a few questions and like get to the know them first before signing on with them. But um, sometimes a sales call isn't necessary. I'd probably would say I do like 75% of them are sales calls, 25% not. Yeah. I go back and forth. Like I I like to put a face to a name. um, Mm -hmm. And also like it could be very different, like the vibe over the call. Like because if you're listening, if you're a designer, just know that you have to make sure they're a good fit for you just as much as they're seeing if you're a good fit for them. Because if it's like you want it to be a good partnership, which can we lead into a different topic, but I've had partnerships or work um, clients that have not been a good fit. You know, I maybe missed the red flags and I was optimistic and come to find Mm -hmm. out like, ooh, like this just isn't a good fit. I have done a refund before and just frankly, just it was not, it wasn't good. (laughs) Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? 
Um, yeah, I've also have ignored red flags before and they're, it's never a good thing to ignore a red flag because it's just going to make you so stressed out. It's going to make the client stressed out and you're not going to be a good fit for everybody. It's kind of Mm -hmm. like, it's like kind of like online dating, right? Like you're not, you're not meant to be, you're not meant to be best friends with everybody. So it's okay if you're not going to be a good fit for a client. Um, we, on my podcast, we just did a whole, an episode on client red flags. And Ooh, yeah. we should do another one. <laughs> yes. And I mean, yeah, I just, I don't want to dive in more into that, but. Yeah, we should just- do one on that. And then another cool one would be designer red flags. Like let's point at ourselves and do yeah. one, oh, you know, because there's, there's yeah. tons of those. Like if you're a designer, please, please do not say you can do something if you cannot do it. That like drives mm-hmm. me nuts. Yeah. Like I will admit to you that I suck at Photoshop. So if you want some sort of like <laughs> fancy mock-up or something, I'm not doing it. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Like, no, I'm and- super transparent. Like I'll actually send people away because I'm like, I'm, we're just not a good fit for that. Yeah. I mean, it's okay, but, and it sucks to miss out on that money for sure, but it's going to be so much worse if you take on that client and it ends up being terrible and then they don't even want to refer you. Like you just got that money for nothing. You got that money for stress basically. Yeah. And I like, don't get me wrong. I think in the beginning, uh, when I was building my design business, I had to hustle and take on the clients that Eh, weren't the greatest to work with, but I needed the experience. Um, So it's not to say that you can just skip that phase. I think a lot of people get into business and they're picky from the get-go. You don't really have the luxury to do Mm -hmm. that in the beginning. You do have to, and it also gives you a feel for this is who I want to work with. This is who I don't want to work with. So you're super clear on what your niche is. Yeah, I feel like you have to go through this phase of working with like quote unquote red flag clients because yeah, then you can't it, like, skip the suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it helps you figure out who you really vibe with. So yeah, I mean it's okay. But if you if you're like two years into your business, you should probably know who the red flag clients are now and you should probably not be working with them. But yeah, the first year or two of your business, you really have no idea what's going on. Like literally, I was so clueless. Um, I was just working with anyone that would pay me. Yeah, same. I just needed money. Yeah, which is okay. It's okay. (laughs) I mean, that's part of the reason you get into business is probably to help people, financial freedom, time, all that stuff. And, you know, you got to make money at the end of the day. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So um, I guess we could go into the next question. Um, I feel like we could talk about that all day. Um, If you had to start over from scratch, what would you do or where would you start? Oh my God. Like what would I do differently? Or just like- No, just like let's say your business was gone and you had to start over. Or maybe the first- Three to five things that you would do. Oh my god, this is a hard question. <laughs> um, let's see. I think I would. I think I would start with being like way more intentional with marketing. Um, granted, I started my Instagram account in like 2015, I think, 
2016. Okay. So back then people were just like literally just posting what they wanted to post. Like, oh, I yeah. had a cup of coffee today. This is great. <laughs> or my food. Yeah. <laughs> but like that mindset is like stuck with me. So sometimes I just post random things in my story. I'm like, wait, nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. Nobody cares what I was eating for breakfast today, but it's still like ingrained in my mind um, that I just want to like post what I'm doing. No, <laughs> yeah. I I think I would be a lot more intentional um, in the beginning with marketing. And this is um, something that I'm working on now is like actually planning like three months in advance of what I'm going to be talking about and what I'm going to be promoting, like mm-hmm. what different services I'm going to be promoting for that month or that week or whatever. Um, so I definitely would work on that and I would probably, um, just absorb as much information as I could like learn from other, um, uh, learn from other designers. Um, I don't want to say like download everybody's freebies. <laughs> I'm guilty. Did that. I mean, like I definitely still download freebies sometimes, <laughs> but, um, yeah, just like follow along with other designers and kind of like see what they're doing and don't, um, I feel like in the beginning I didn't follow a ton of other like well-known designers because I was like, I don't want to get jealous of yeah. all that they've accomplished. And so I just kind of like blocked them. Um, but I mean, like I, I follow some of them now and I feel like it's really good to like take note of things that they're doing and inspiration from them and stuff like that. Um, I think another thing just on that point is for me, I don't want my designs looking similar because yeah. like as a creative, you start to absorb that and take that on. And like, there's a lot of things I'm looking online. They all look the same. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. It's so hard. Like it's really hard to, if you're on social media all day or on Pinterest and you're absorbing everybody else's designs. And it's like, when you go to design a logo yourself, you have all these designs like floating around in your head that it's really hard to create something new sometimes. Um, so I guess another thing that I would work on is maybe, um, like learning from outside sources outside of Instagram and Pinterest like, um, I'm tr- something I want to get into next year is like statistical marketing, branding, like reading, um, like well-known marketing blogs and getting more into like the reasons behind, um, design ideas, like mm. looking at like larger brands, like inner brand and LPK and, um, stuff like that to kind of like, learn more about what they're doing as like a huge agency that employs like thousands of people Mm -hmm. um, and learning from those like bigger agencies and bigger marketing blogs. And just like, I just want to keep learning, I guess. I miss college. I will say that. What? Oh, I hated college. I mean, I like the learning aspect. I love learning so much, but it's, I also get like information overload as well. Yeah. I will say that's what I get. Like, especially in the beginning of when I started my business, I was like, I am the queen of learning. <laughs> I got this down, <laughs> but I wasn't taking action. I wasn't, I was like, yeah. Oh my God, I don't know what to execute on. And yeah. my coach at the time was like, all right, we need to like stop consuming and just create. Mm-hmm. Because you can totally fall into that trap of like, I'm learning so much. I feel like I got all this, 
but you don't know what to execute on. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good point because I definitely have like creative paralysis sometimes. Like I just have so much information floating around. I'm like, I don't know where to start. (laughs) So I'm not going to do anything. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that happens to me on a weekly basis. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I have so many ideas, too overwhelming. I'm not going to do any of them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty much. Pretty much. But yeah, I don't really know what else I would do differently. Um, But I mean, coming up with a solid marketing plan and business plan, I think I'd I mean, those are things that I still struggle with today, but I wish that that had been more of my focus probably in the beginning. So I could have like gotten out of the gate really strong instead of kind of just like, I don't know, guessing my way and like throwing spaghetti at the wall. Yeah. Because you didn't go to school for design, right? No. um, My background is in marketing. Yeah. And Um, so how did you learn design? So I... Uh, I'll try to keep this short, but in <laughs> in high school, I took a illustrator and InDesign class and I played around. I mean, the whole class was just like open up Illustrator and design something. And then you just like play around with the tools and it was really cool. We did a lot of fun like text things and um, shapes and stuff like that. And I loved the class a lot. Um, when I graduated, I entered into college as a engineering major an architectural engineer. And I was drawing a lot and I thought that that was really fun, but I hated the engineering side, like physics, chemistry. It was mm-hmm. like the worst classes I've ever taken. Yeah. And then I um, decided to switch majors and I actually wanted to apply to the graphic design school. Um, this was at University of Cincinnati and the DAP program is what it's called. Mm-hmm. It's really well known um, in the country. And I just thought that I wasn't going to make it in with my GPA because engineering like wrecked my GPA. So I just oh, never... Yeah. I just never applied, which is like a huge regret of mine. So even if you think that you're not going to like get in somewhere or um, like get into a school or whatever, just apply anyways. Like you have yeah. no idea what's going to happen. I had but, to apply twice to the, our graphic design program. Oh. I missed it by one point, so I had to reapply. What do you mean missed it by one point? Like my, um, what was it? ACT score. So oh, I had to take it again to get into. The oh my gosh! Design. Yeah. So oh, there you wild. go. I applied and I failed, and I had to do it again. Oh my gosh! See, I would. I probably would have just felt like I give up. <laughs> um. No. Yeah. I didn't even apply because I thought that my GPA wasn't going to get me in. So, anyways, I landed on business honestly because I had no idea what else to do. So I was like, mm-hmm. I'll just do marketing because marketing's like kind of close to design. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not really, but (laughs) yeah. So anyways, I ended up in marketing and then I took um, branding classes in the marketing college. So they offered branding and they offered like um, statistics and stuff like that. So I took whatever I could to like kind of still stay close to design. Mm -hmm. And when I was in those classes, I realized how much I loved design in general. Like when I look back at all the marketing classes I took, I hated anything that had to do with like data analysis, but I loved the branding and design yeah. type of classes. And it, the classes were like looking at color theory and like why businesses like Apple and stuff chose the fonts that they did and things mm-hmm. like that. So I thought that it was super interesting. 
Um, so when I started working in like the corporate world, I, um, was given tasks of like, oh, we need a new design for this brochure that's going out to all the sales reps or, um, this PDF that's like literally just announced announcing like the Thanksgiving luncheon. (laughs) (laughs) So I started designing in Illustrator and InDesign again. I'd taken this big gap of like, uh, you know, like five years of not opening up those programs at all. Um, but then I started designing and realizing that I really loved it. So then every time I was at work and I was like on a lunch break or there was nothing going on, I would just open up the programs and start designing and just teaching myself, like by going into the program and playing around with all the different tools. Um, and then in the evenings I would go home and like watch different YouTube videos of how to, you know, like how to type on a circle in Illustrator mm-hmm. and things like that and kind of taught myself that way. So I never paid for anything um, related to teaching myself graphic design. It was all just watching free videos pretty yeah. much. That's cool. And may I kind of emphasize free so you can learn all this stuff for free, you know, as a <laughs> designer. You know, some people are like, I want to design websites or want to do branding, but they don't have the money or they don't know where to start. Well, you just said you learn for free on YouTube, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's a lot of content out there. Um, I did that too. Literally what you said, how to type on a circle, Google it and bam, you know how to do that. Right. Yeah. And there's so many different shortcuts I've learned, like keyboard shortcuts. And like, there's so many things out there on YouTube. Like if you have a question about how to do something in Illustrator or in Designer Photoshop, like somebody has already done it, I yep. guarantee. And it's going to be out there on YouTube. Like you will not have an issue teaching yourself design. Um, mm-hmm. Website website design videos, I will say, are a little bit harder to come by because website design things can get super specific. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, you can find what you're looking for about on website design on YouTube as well. Yeah. I mean, like you're always going to be learning and I think the key is just being resourceful. So like that's little things. If a client asks you, um, Hey, can you do this? Okay. Maybe it's no, but I will figure out how to do it. I think as Mm -hmm. long as you're transparent with them up Mm -hmm. front saying, no, I've actually never done this before, but I'm willing to figure it out. If you're willing to meet me halfway, I think there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I have a website client right now, actually, and she's been asking for kind of specific things um, to to um, fix, not fix, change on the website design. And I... I'll t- I respond. I'm like, you know, I don't think that show it has this capability, but I'm going to look, look it up for myself mm-hmm. and see if I can find any sort of like code to fix this and work around for this. But I, I'm trying to make sure that like, I'm not just saying like, yeah, I'll do that for you. And then I spend six hours, you know, yeah. like trying to find a YouTube video to change this design. Little change. Yeah. Like, no, I'm going to tell you right now. Like, I don't think this is going to happen, but I'll try my best. Yeah. Yeah. And so after, after college, did you just dive right into design work? Um, no, it, it kind of gradually happened over a few years. So um, my first job outside of college um, was working for a law firm and I was oh, an event. Interesting. Yeah, I was an event production assistant there. So what I did was I helped um, – organize all of the events and this was a corporate law firm. So they had Mm -hmm. a lot of 
um, like client events and seminars and webinars and different events like that. And so I was in charge of not only like reaching out to the venues and organizing all that kind of stuff, but also creating the event invitation and all the event graphic materials. So if there was any sort of like PowerPoint presentations, um, I was designing those. I was designing all the email marketing campaigns that went out to invite the clients to these different events. And so I kind of started designing slowly. And that job specifically was when I realized that I really liked it because I was in a shared office with our graphic designer. Oh, and yeah. she would ask me to help her on a lot of projects because she would see me designing these event invitations and you know like what I was designing. So then she started giving me some of her work you know, obviously approved by our boss. Um, and so then I kind of like meshed into the design team a little bit and yeah. they brought me in on redesigning the law firm's website. And um, that's like, that was really cool for me. And I don't know, I just started doing a lot more design things in that job. And then I would, um, that's kind of when I started designing for friends and family as well. At that job was when my uncle had reached out to me and told me that he was going to be opening a restaurant and he needed a logo. And I was like, Oh, like, this is so cool. I'll design yeah. a logo, which I did for free. Oh, of um, course. <laughs> yeah. And so that's how it started. let, yeah, let's um, go into that and then we can wrap it up um, in a bit, but let's go into what were your, so you did your first project for free. What yeah. did you charge? for your like actual first pay project. Okay, I, I want to say I charged 375 for my first logo project. And let me tell you though, this project <laughs> lasted months. Oh like, was, my gosh. It was so freaking long. Like I met with this person in person and it just went back and forth, back and forth. Like I, it probably was like a 40 hour project all in all, probably even longer than that. Like I, I was in the <laughs> negatives. I did not make money on this at all. It was totally in the negatives, but it was great to like have a client that was willing to pay me money. And that kind of propelled me forward and realizing that, Oh, people are willing to pay for a service like this. So my next like two or three clients after that were probably um, still at 375. And then I started to increase it to like 600, um, 700, 800. And then I started slowly increasing every few months. Did you feel resistance at those price increases? Like what helped you overcome? Oh, I've felt resistance at every price increase. Okay. So what, let's talk about that. Like what helped you work through that? Even at 375, people were like, oh my God, for a logo, I can go on Fiverr and buy a smaller logo. Yeah. Like, then do it. (laughs) Yep. Um, I don't know. I mean, it it does get hard sometimes because when people tell you no, you're immediately thinking, like, okay, they don't think that I'm worth 375. Like, Mm -hmm. what's wrong with my design skills? And, like, I can look back now at those designs and say, yeah, those were terrible. I mean, <laughs> I will admit that, but like we all grow over time, but 375 is extremely cheap for a logo for your business. And so yeah. looking back, like the logos I produced, I, I would say they're terrible now, but they were worth 375 I at mean, the time. I, <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, like I'm not going to produce that same quality of logo now, obviously, because I have so much more experience and so much more design knowledge now. So yeah, at the time it was worth 375, but it's definitely like a dagger to your heart when somebody doesn't want to pay what you're charging and they're like, oh, you know, I'll go find some something cheaper somewhere else. Well, I mean, I just told myself now like that it, that it wasn't meant to be like, I'll find somebody else who's going to pay me what I'm worth and what I'm charging. So I just try to not take it to heart as, as hard as that is to do. And especially when you're starting out now, I feel like I don't really, I don't get hard feelings at all, but in the first year or two of my business, I definitely did for sure. Yeah. Same. I took it personal and like I started second guessing myself um, but now I'm at a point where like, okay, then it is just not a good fit. Mm-hmm. I remember I had someone, an inquiry come through. I was, char- I was charging $800 for a website. Oh, website. Oh my God. <laughs> I, yeah. And it was going to take me 25 hours, I think. Um, and she comes back and she's like, basically hammers me on the price, on the time and the delivery or something like oh, well, I could have my VA do this in a weekend for this price. And I'd be like, okay, like I take it personal and go back to my coach. Did you like so-and-so said this and like, should Mm -hmm. I do this? Or did I say something differently? Um, But, you know, the funny part is that same person came back this year. (laughs) I was like, hey, I never got my website done. (laughs) Oh my God. Wait, did you work with them? No. Um, because once you like, once there's disrespect, Mm -hmm. uh, that's just a boundary for me. I, you know, integrity, respect, those are huge things working with someone. And if you've disrespected me before even like getting to know me, um, it just doesn't show a good working relationship. So, um, needless to say, I did not take on that project, but just know that, I mean, they come back around. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, that has not happened to me before. That's wild. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I definitely don't take it to heart now, but it was hard in the first year for sure. But I don't know. Because you're building your business and you're like, I hope I'm doing this right. And like, I'm, I don't want to be too expensive. I don't want to be too low. And it's just, you're, you're trying to find that sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think people who give constructive criticism, like I feel like that's okay, but there's definitely yeah. a nicer way that she could have said that. Like, not yeah. like, oh my God, my VA could do this. Well then have your VA Oh, it was a it. whole long paragraph, like just dissing me after, like diss after diss. It was like- Oh my God. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> that's so rude. There's laugh at it. People can be so rude in the entrepreneur space as well. Like that's like a whole nother thing that we can discuss, but And you don't want to work with that. Like it just, that's a huge red flag Mm -hmm. because it just shows that they're not going to respect your time. They're not going to respect your process, your boundary, anything. And you're going to be bending over backwards through the whole project. Mm -hmm. For sure. The way I like to phrase things, like if we ever have a pushback, you know, I always like to put it in their shoes too. Like as a business owner, I'm sure you understand why we do this or blah, 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 because you have to kind of remind them 
um, we all need to be reminded that we're all business owners trying to run a business, trying to figure it out, trying to make our clients happy. Um, but no one has it all figured out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've gotten pushback sometimes like after a sales call of like, um, I want to work with you, but I don't know if this is in my budget right now. Like Mm. maybe it, maybe it will be next year or something. And there are definitely different ways to handle that sort of rejection. Um, like I, I obviously don't take it personally, but I do like to work with the client sometimes if, um, you know, I tell them my price and it's like maybe like a couple hundred out of their budget, then I'll work with them to like, um, like maybe not include as many things in the package so that yeah. they can, so that they can work with me. But, um, and that's totally different than somebody like asking you to lower your rates for them. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, there's, I just want to throw that out there that I don't say no to like every person that's like, oh my gosh, I don't want to spend 2000 bucks to work with you. And I'm yeah. like, well, what do you want to spend? I have 1800 Okay. Well, why don't we take away a brand pattern? Because I don't think that's necessary for your business anyways. And then we can mm-hmm. get you within the budget that you feel comfortable with. So there are like ways you can still um, work with people who might just be like a smidge under what you're charging. Yeah, and that's a good point for anyone listening if you're looking for a designer. Just because they post the prices on the website doesn't mean you can't ask, right? If you don't ask, you don't get the answer Um, because we're the same way. Like if it's something that you need or you can't spend, maybe it's a template or maybe we kind of merge the two. Like there's always options if it's a good working relationship and you both want to work together. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Is there anything looking back that you would do differently? I know we talked a little bit about it, but anything that you would do differently, like major things that would maybe help a designer listening? Hmm. Um, I guess I would something that I've struggled with for sure over the last few years has been, um, comparing myself to others. So I think I feel like in the beginning, I thought that everybody around me was like so successful and they were Mm -hmm. making, you know, like 10 K months, 20 K months, whatever. Um, because a lot of people like embellish on social media, but feel like I didn't realize that when I was starting out, um, there's so many different factors that could go into how much they're making that month. And you don't know if they have a team. You don't know how long it took them to get there. Mm -hmm. You don't know if they're working 60 hour weeks. Like you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. And so I feel like I would tell my younger self that it's okay to just like stay in your lane and focus on what you're doing, be unique, like do what works for you. You don't have to follow what everybody else is telling you to do. Mm -hmm. Like a couple of years ago, you know, coaches were saying post four days a week. Yeah. And, I remember. <laughs> yeah. And like post it this time and do this and do this. And like, I was, you know, trying to follow all the rules and I thought that it was going to bring me success. And when I stopped listening to what other people were telling me to do and just did what I wanted to do, like that's when I actually got the type of clients that I love working with now. So mm-hmm. I think the biggest advice that I would say to my younger self and also other entry-level graphic designers is like, 
just trust your gut feeling, like just do what you want to do, offer the services that you don't, that you want to do. You don't have to copy what other designers are doing. Like you can do what you want to do. You can pave your own way and just keep in mind that everybody else's success is going to be totally different than what your success is. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't want to make six figures a year, like that's okay too. Like it's okay to just like make what you're comfortable with to support your family or whatever your goals are. Yeah. I love that you brought that up. That's so important because like, it's true. Like that's all we see on social media. I think it's less now. Yeah. I think that's the Or maybe I muted a lot of people. (laughs) No, I think that the conversation has like really been shifting over the last like six months or so. And I've been seeing a lot of coaches that I follow, like stop the uh, money talk a lot and, and stop the whole, the programs that they were selling were like scale to 5k in three months or 10k months. If you join my mastermind or whatever, like, I don't really see those programs as much anymore. Yeah. I don't either. I feel like things are definitely changing and people are talking less about money and more about like, what does personal success mean to you? Yeah. And I love that. It's not to say that, um, you can't talk about money. It's not to mm-hmm. say that it's not like bashing people who talk about money. It's just, it does put a, an expectation subconsciously on those maybe who aren't at that level and just comparing yourself and then actually not getting anywhere because you feel so defeated before you even begin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's a tough space out there, I will say. The entrepreneur it's a space. Tough space. You got <laughs> this. <laughs> you guys got this. If it's you could get past the first two to three years, you're good. Wouldn't you yeah, say? I would say so for sure. I would say two yeah, two and a half years is what I would say. Um, it's hard though. I feel like it's really, really not for everybody and Mm-mm. Everything that was preached during 2020 after COVID was like, start your own business. You got this. You can make as much money as you want. And it's really not for everybody. Like, And that's okay. mm -hmm. And it's okay if you try and you realize that it's not for you and you would rather, you know, go back to the corporate world world or wherever you were working. Like, that's okay too. That's our mantra for this episode. It's okay. It's okay. (laughs) No, I actually have, now that you said that, I actually talked to two people in the online space that were pretty close and we were kind of in the starting phases and they both decided to go back to corporate. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Like they loved it. Yeah. They're like, I actually was more happy or happier um, at my corporate job than I am in entrepreneurship. Yeah. Because yeah. it does take a huge, I don't think people realize, I didn't realize when I got into it, how much of an emotional toll it mm-hmm. takes on you. It's, yeah, because it's so hard to not take everything personally that happens in the well, business. Well, and make zero dollars for a couple of months to hit 5K and then back down and then 10K yeah. and then back down until you hit consistent months. You're like, crap. <laughs> yeah, it is so hard. It definitely takes a certain type of person who is just like, I don't want to say people in corporate are not super motivated, but like you really do have to be motivated to – 
push through those bad days that you're having and still show up for your clients and still show up on social media. And that's Mm -hmm. something that's really hard for a lot of people to do is to like get over the fact that like, okay, I didn't make a sale this month, but that's okay. I'm going to do whatever I can to make five sales next month. Like that takes a special kind of person to like push through that rejection. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. For sure. Um, well, cool. I would love to keep talking, but we're going to have to break this into another episode. <laughs> yeah. So we'll yes. definitely do another one. Um, so Michelle will be coming on monthly to chat yes. more. <laughs> the, the, the designer chat show. <laughs> yes. Um, actually not a bad idea, but uh, let them, let everyone know where they can find you. Okay, so if you want to follow me, I'm a mess on Instagram, but <laughs> just just follow me every. Anyways, um, her designs I'm, are amazing. <laughs> I say I'm a mess because I don't have like a strict posting schedule like most normal entrepreneurs do. I just I like don't po- I just post when I feel like posting, and sometimes that's four days a week. Sometimes it's like once every two weeks. Like yep. who knows? I'm the same way. You never know what you're getting over here, but. Um, <laughs> Keep them on their toes. (laughs) My Instagram is at Michelle Marie Studio. And if you want to check out my website, if you're interested, you want to stalk me there, it is uh, michellemariestudio.com. Perfect. And are you working on anything special upcoming? I guess this episode will be released in the new year. Oh, will it? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to be redoing my whole website and I'm taking new brand photos and I'm working on some other services for like previous clients. Um, so I guess I can't really talk about those, but, um, yeah, I don't have anything like new really for clients other than that, but my website rebrand is like super exciting for me, but also really scary because I'm working on it myself and, it's going to stress me the F out, but it minded too. It, it took me months to get, cause I'm a perfectionist. I'm like, Oh, this color needs to be changed. Like, but I finally, Oh yeah. You'll oh be my God. Fine. The color palette is like so stressful. I actually, it is. Asked, I asked, um, my co-host, my podcast co-host Kaden is also a designer. I asked her to do my color palette for me. Cause I just can't. I can't. She did your logo too, right? Yeah, so yeah. she did my original logo and color palette, and I'm keeping my logo because I love it, but um, yeah. I want to lighten up my color palette a little bit. So I asked her if she could do another color palette for me because um, I was doing some myself, and then I liked them in Illustrator, but then I went and put them on my website, and I just hated them. Yeah. So I'm like, Kaden, I need help. Please just do it for me. It's so hard doing your own. Like, remember I had you do my colors and then I ended mm-hmm. up changing all of them recently. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll probably change them again. It's just. I feel like the, like, I'm so happy with my logos and I love them, but I feel like the, my color palette is probably something that I'm going to be, it's going to be ever evolving. Like, yeah. As it should, years. you know, as yeah. you grow, your, your brand grows and. And my fonts too. I'm changing. Um, I'm changing the serif font that I'm using, which yeah. is like this is a big deal for me. <laughs> I love fonts. I love it all. Oh my god, fonts stress me out. They're like the best part of designing, but there's so many fonts out there. It's overwhelming. Like the amount of money I've put into fonts, right? Is creative, insane. Creative market loves my money. <laughs> yeah, I need to chill. Yeah. 
Well, okay, well, thanks for, yeah, we'll wrap it up for you guys. Um, thanks for coming on today. And like I said, we'll definitely have to um, do another episode. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. This was so fun talking. I could, you know, of course, talk about this stuff for hours. So we'll definitely have to do another episode soon. Yes. Thanks for listening, guys. As always, thanks for listening. And if you love this podcast, don't forget to subscribe or leave a review on iTunes and share it with a friend or on Instagram to help support the show. If you want additional resources to help you grow your business, you can find them on my website at CourtneyMarieCo.com or below in the show notes.